Some of you may know that uh, a little while ago, there was a fire at an apartment complex just across the street almost from Asbury, Madison Place Apartments. And we, we have two people that are active attendees or members here at Asbury. And we checked on them, obviously, and thankfully their uh, apartments were not affected by the fire. But just kind of northeast from where we are right now, one evening, the fire was started somehow. The EMTs and the fire trucks were already there. And one of our church members happened to be driving by And instead of just seeing that everything was under control because the people with the training in an an emergency were already there, this person drove into the apartment complex. Uh, I want to imagine that this person has practiced hospitality and service so much in their lives that this was, you know, just a reflex to how they have been developed by God's grace. But anyway, so our member drove in and went right up to the EMTs and the fire department and said, my church is right there. Look at that beautiful tall steeple right there, okay? We are here to help. And this member of ours put his own cell phone number and then also a number for the church office on a piece of paper and made sure that it would get to those who are affected by the fire. Because of that, there was a family with a small child that had nowhere to go. They had heavy smoke damage in their apartment. And so Asbury, through this member, was able to put up this family throughout the weekend to make sure that they were okay. We also made sure that they could connect with Grace Klein Ministry so they could get clothing and food and when they needed it, furniture for their new place. We also helped other families that were affected by these fires. Maybe they weren't as uh, affected in, in, in such a drastic way, but we were able to provide gift cards for them. All of this was happening without anyone in the church office really taking any action. In fact, we were all away from the office. I was watching this in real time on my cell phone. My family was very concerned because not a lot of people try to text or call me uh, uh, all the time. And so my phone was just going off and they said, what is wrong? And I said, well, Asbury is stepping in to help people like we always do. In fact, as I was seeing all these wonderful things come through, I I literally audibly out loud said, that's my church. Something that Janet uh, uh, O'Neill helped sort of coin last fall. That when we're so proud of what God is doing through our church family, we say, that's my church. And I, I felt that way, reading what was going on and knowing that it was happening because someone's heart was in tune with Jesus, that they were embodying the way of Jesus as they were serving. But then another thought came to my head. The only way that we can say, that's my church, is when the church and the individuals within it say, I am a part of the church, I'm gonna step up and do something, right? If it's, if it's just the staff or the pastors doing things, then you just say, that's my pastor, that's my church staff. And that's not as impressive, is it? It's more impactful. It's more meaningful. It is more of God when church members are so alive with God's love and scriptural holiness that they embody the way of Jesus and they step in 
to serve. We can only say that's my church when members of our church step up to the plate and serve as we're called to serve. And so it's not optional for us. Each and every one of us is called in some form or fashion at some point or the other to step in and be people of hospitality, people of service, people of Christ-like compassion. Pastor Maggie read for us our scripture for today from 1 Peter chapter 4. But because I want you to understand that this is not just a passing thought in Peter's letter to the churches, I want to start with 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. Now, we're going to hopefully have this on the screen. If you can also look in your own Bibles or in your pew Bibles, I would love for you to be able to see this. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Notice right there at the beginning, if we can go back one, notice it says, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. That word deeply right there is from the Greek word uh, ektenos. And ektenos means to stretch out, to stretch out. And so when, when the Bible translates this as constant or fervently, the idea is that you are stretching out to do it more and more and more. Think about the effort that it takes to do something like to stretch and to touch your toes, something that I physically cannot do. I can't do that. It takes great, great strength and patience for me to touch my shins, okay? That's me stretching out and putting a strain upon my muscles. That's what we're talking about, the fervently, constantly continuing to stretch and go further and further and further. So Peter, at the very beginning of his letter, is reminding the Christians that he's writing to of this idea that love between Christians should be like that. It should be constant. It should be fervent. It should be stretching out more and more and more. In fact, when you think about it, Christians should treat each other a lot more than just acquaintances we happen to know. We, if we are truly Christian, if we are truly brothers and sisters in Christ, then we should treat each other as family. We should treat each other like family. Now, I want to be careful. Not all family treats each other very well, right? But the good sense of that, the kind of compassion and steadfast love and care that we are supposed to show in our families should be experienced within the church. Because without it, we're simply fighting for our own agendas. We're simply trying to have the survival of the fittest. And if we have that, we will not have a church at the end of it. We will have a fraction of what we started with. However, Peter is telling us that if we're able to serve one another and to be able to love one another that deeply, to stretch even further than we're comfortable with, we might see 
God working with us in even more amazing ways to stretch out. There's almost something in here about straining, sweating, pushing ourselves more and more that I think Peter is trying to communicate through these words. Now, the reason I went back to 1 Peter chapter 1 is because the same word, ectinos, is used in a very similar way, a little bit different translation of it. So if we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, you'll see that same idea. It's printed in your bulletin. We'll have it on the screen. It says this, Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. I want to start with that verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Sometimes we like to let people know how much we are suffering to do good things for them, right? I slaved over this meal, so you better thank me, right? Without, without complaining. I, I read one Bible scholar who translates this as be hospitable without any fussing, okay? That's the kind of idea. We're supposed to do this out of the goodness of our heart, not to try to get accolades. But let's go back to verse 8. It says this, maintain constant love. That word constant is the same word that was in Peter 1, 22 through 23. Fervent constant, stretching out love. And I love what Peter does here because you see what Peter says is, is that we should have this stretching out love. We should be the ones serving and having compassion for others. And then he says, for love covers a multitude of sins. Whose love do you think Peter's talking about? Is it our love? No, it's the Sunday school children's church answer. Whose love is it? God's, right? It's God's love. God's love stretches out more than we can ever imagine and it covers a multitude of sins. Peter's drawing an example here that God has stretched out his love and compassion. God has served us. Last week when we were talking about service, we read about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He stretches out and washes their feet as an act of compassion, showing them what is needed in the church. So when, when, when Peter says we should ectene, have constant love, mutual constant love, he's talking about this sort of service, being so compassionate, so caring, so mindful of the needs of others that we are stretching out to one another, that we are compassionately serving one another as much as possible. This idea is woven throughout 1 Peter. It's an important instruction for the church because we, in order to survive in a difficult world, have got to show that God's grace and love are so real and that it can make a difference. We've got to show it because who else will? I read uh, recently about a, a book. It was turned into a movie about a decade or so ago. A book that details a Scottish prisoner of war in World War II, Ernest Gordon. He was in prison in a Japanese prison camp near the River Kwai. And in this book, he talks about how he was sort of an agnostic. He was, he was in a sense, unchurched. He was not really a spiritual person. And yet he was captured and imprisoned and he was injured as he was put into this camp and they didn't know if he would survive. 
He went into this dire situation and another man there whose name was Dusty Miller, who was an English Methodist Christian, took care of him and nursed him back to health. He was someone who was always calm and compassionate. He was focused on the other people and less on himself. And that witness of that, that soldier, that Methodist from England made an impact upon Ernest Gordon. He saw people do things like that as well. And you have to imagine when you're under such harsh conditions and you're being tortured and treated less than human, it really turns into a difficult situation where people almost act like mindless animals. It is, it is the survival of the fittest. And that was happening. And yet some things broke through like Dusty Miller. There was another man named Angus. He was filled with compassion and he saw one of the other men who was starving. He was sick, he was ill. And so he shared his rations with this man. He gave his, ex his blanket to this man. And so while this man was being nursed back to health by Angus, Angus's health started to slip away. He ended up sacrificing his life to nurse this man back to health. And that wasn't all. There was a nameless person in the story who stepped up and saved the lives of his fellow prisoners. They were out working one day and as they came back in, the people controlling the camp counted the number of shovels and did not count the full number. One was missing. They drew their machine guns and said, unless the person who took or lost the shovel stepped forward, they were going to execute the whole lot of them. A couple of seconds later, one of the men stepped forward and sacrificed his life to save the others. And it was found out later that the guards had just miscounted the shovels. Nothing was missing. Ernest Gordon says that because people like Angus and Dusty and others sacrificed their lives and showed compassion and service, that it ended up breaking the power of survival of the fittest. And the men started watching out for each other and caring for each other, trying to survive together and just trying to survive alone. You see the power of service, of compassionate love, of stretching out love can break through even the most dire situations. And that's what Peter is saying to us, that we've got to be the people if we are Christian and go to church, we've also got to be the kind of people that live this way so that the power of grace can infuse itself into the world around us. As we continue in 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 10 next. And this is what 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Now that word serve in Greek can be translated as either service or ministering. So it's not just the job of pastors to minister. It's the job of all Christians to minister. And what he's saying is, is that we minister to other people. And when we do, when we serve them, we end up being stewards of God's grace. We actually have a way of directing God's grace to those who need it the most. 
Being stewards of something means that we don't own it. We're just in charge of it. Think about an investor who invests the money of other people to make sure that wise investments are leading to growth over time. Think about a high school student who is entrusted with the house when the parents are away. That may not be a good example. (laughs) A steward is somebody who takes care of something for someone else and who makes sure that that investment is growing and improving over time. Think of the parable of the talents that we talked about last summer. One person got one talent, another person four, another person five. The two that had the most invested and grew the investment. They were called good stewards. The one who had one talent was afraid of losing it, and so he buried it under the ground. He was said, he was called a bad steward. So if we're stewards of God's grace, we cannot just take it for ourselves or bury it underground. If we're stewards of God's grace, it's got to be used. It's got to be shared. It's got to be invested in the communities around us. And if we're going to be stewards of God's grace, then we've got to set up habits that lead to us doing the work so that over time, The work that we do, the compassion and stretching out service that we do becomes more and more impactful. We've all got to start somewhere. There are some people in this sanctuary who are active in missions. Some of you are active in serving others outside of the church. And some of your friends don't know all that you do. We don't do it for God, for for others' glory, for us. We do it because of God's glory. But some of us haven't yet figured out how to fit service to others in our lives. We need to start somewhere. We need to figure out who we are and how God has knit us together. And for some of us, it's just as simple as scheduling things into our busy lives. We mentioned the habit tracker and there are habit trackers for adults, kids, and teenagers at the welcome desk. We would love for you to go get one. In your bulletin at the end of the order of worship, it tells you how to find them online at asburybham.org slash habits. There are lots of ideas in there from figuring out how to serve in missions here at Asbury. An easy one, wear your name tag. If you don't have one, we'll make one for you for free. Uh, Wear your name tag as an act of hospitality and service. Do things like volunteer at Giggles and Grace, the upcoming consignment sale that's just a week or so away. You can help sort clothes. You can help volunteer during that week to help make sure that the proceeds that come from that event help fund parents and families in need. There are a lot of different ways we can serve. In fact, for those of you who are so busy, you don't know how you're going to fit this in your schedule in the habit tracker, or we have extra copies of this separately at the welcome desk, is the idea of a blessing bag. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a moment where you want to help someone, but you have no cash and you have no food or water to give and you don't know what to do. A blessing bag is simply a, a Ziploc bag filled with things that people might need. And we have the recipe, the list of ingredients for that in the blessing bag handout that's at the welcome desk. It's also online. And this will give people something that they can use to take care of themselves and to maybe seek the help that they need. We know of people that have made these bags and kept them in their car so that when they're at a stoplight and someone is in need, 
they can actually give them something when they don't have any cash on them. We've also have people coming into our church looking for help and assistance all the time. And most of the time we help them with utilities or food, but there are some times where we're not able to really meet the needs that they might have. And if people would make these blessing bags and bring them to the church, that would be another way for us to help people who come in during the week. You can go and fill these up and bring them to the church or you can put them in your car. It's up to you how you can be involved in that. That's one way. If you are one of the busiest people, you can still do something like this. And just the simple habit of making those bags will help you remember when you encounter someone in need. We're all wired in different ways. You may find that you have gifts and skills that can be used to serve other people, but you don't really know how to use those in the church. We've put together something called the Volunteer Accelerator. It's an online quiz that you can find on our website, asburybham.org slash now. And it takes two, three minutes, Pastor Michael, two minutes. It's easy to do. And after you take the quiz and after you answer the questions about what you're gifted in, what you like to do, what you hope to do, it will give you a list of almost 10 places that you can serve. And then it's up to you to take the next step to Invest your time and energy into serving other people. The habits are important. I'm not saying that they will somehow magically put you in contact with people in need, but having a ritual, a habit of helping others will prepare you, will change you, will tune your heart so that you will begin seeing the needs of others. And the next time you're driving down the road and you see something happening, you may not pass by and think, well, someone will take care of it. You might start saying, I am the church. I can help. You know, we make a difference, not just in meeting the needs of others, but how we do it. We recently received some information from our food pantry. Our food pantry has been operating for over a decade. It's usually open on Wednesdays around 2 p.m. every Wednesday. And a lot of people are served through that food pantry. Recently, we've had someone come back to receive food, someone who had had their life more fully together before. You know, we have people come in consistently. Sometimes things improve in their life and they're able to go back to paying for their own food. But sometimes it gets a little difficult and we understand that and that's why we're open. But knowing people's name, knowing people's story when they come in and treating them with compassion and not just handing them a bag of food and going on to the next person, that makes a difference because we're treating someone as they are a beloved child of God. And that's what happened recently. About a decade ago, one of the people coming to the food pantry was having a hard time, was having vision problems and needed help. This person received help from Asbury's food pantry for a while, but they started improving, got LASIK eye surgery and able to get a job and they were able to take care of themselves for a while. But then times got hard years and years later. And this person came right back to the place where they knew they could get help and a smile and compassion. And when the people of our food pantry remembered her name, 
and remembered her story, she encountered the grace of God being stewarded well. The love of God was stretched out for her and it made all the difference. Friends, we are stewards of God's grace. We are entrusted, we are entrusted with God's goodness and blessings. And Peter tells us we're not just supposed to do our best or try a little. Peter says we need to stretch to fervently and constantly direct our heart towards serving others. There is something in math called the order of operations. You may remember this. Unless you follow the order of operations, you will not get the right answer. You have to start with the math in the parentheses. We have a few math teachers who know a little bit about this here. Well, in the Christian life, we have an order of operations as well. Do you remember what the greatest commandment is? Jesus reminds us in one of the gospels, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as your, yourself. So what comes first? We need a little bit more confidence than that. <laughs> what comes first? Loving God, right? But notice next is not love your neighbor. It's love your neighbor as yourself. So as much time as we spend in taking care of ourselves, Jesus is reminding us we need to be focused on others as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. There needs to be equilibrium. So the next time that you schedule a vacation for you or your family, are you also then thinking about how you're gonna serve and impact others sometime in your calendar? The next time that you schedule a trip with the guys to go play golf or to go hunting, are you then also looking ahead and scheduling a time for you to serve others? The next time you take a me day at the spa, how are you planning a they day to serve others? Making it a habit makes that a lot easier. But even if we just make it equal in our lives, as much as we take care of ourselves, that we take care of others, we'll begin to make a difference in the lives of others and people will start receiving God's grace, which is what the church is about. Let us not forget, service is not just a good idea. It's what Peter says is essential for how we live out our faith. Amen.